Wednesday, February 14th, and oh, me amor. El Corazon is en fuego. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, good to have you here on Damon Bruce Show. It is great to see you once again. Thank you so much for coming on by. Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't want to do it without you. What a little group of broken, misfit toys we've all put together here. And uh, it, it used to be a hump day. Now it's humo day. No matter how you celebrate it. Uh, mwah, kisses. Happy Valentine's Day. Short and sweet one for you today. Like I said, we're never, ever going to waste your time. We are never going to drag you through a whole bunch of stuff you do not need. But what we need to do today is talk about why we're all here in the first place. Five days a week. Football season. That turns into six days a week. If something big happens on Saturday, well, now we're, a, we're, we're paying attention to sports seven days a week. Why do we do it? It's because we love it. We love sports. Why do we love sports? Well, there are four basic reasons, and I think I want to go over all of them right here with you right now. I hope you're into it. Number one, maybe the most powerful, sports are generational. Sports are handed down like family heirlooms. Your dad's team becomes your team, becomes your brother's team, becomes the team that you will someday turn around and hand to your children. Sports are generational. Sports takes a, a, a bunch of men who might not know how to talk to each other, uh, nephews, uncles, grandfathers, you put them all in a room, you put them in front of a game, and now there's something to talk about. I don't know why it's a communal bonding thing, but it is. It's an incredibly powerful one. And that's a big reason why we love sports, because our mothers, our fathers, our grandparents, they loved these teams before we even got here, and they transfer it to us. And we take a bit of them with us when we, when we take on that team. And that brings us to the second element of all this. It's very provincial. Sports are provincial. You know, there used to be something that had an awful lot to do with, like, loving the town that you're from, loving the city that you're in, loving the country that you're in. These used to be more powerful emotions than maybe they even are now. But they're very powerful emotions. And when I hear both of my boys, Jack refers to San Francisco as my city. And that's my bridge. Then he sees Sutro Tower. He says, Daddy, that's your tower. I love it. I absolutely love how much pride he has in San Francisco, how much he's proud of being from here, how much he loves it here. I hope Ozzy totally gloms onto the whole thing the same way that he does. I really do. It's awesome. You know, my wife is from San Francisco. I have chosen to live here. And even though there are all sorts of forces telling you that it's no longer what it used to be or there's a doom loop or whatever the hell they're coming up with this week, I don't give a shit. I love it here. I'm home. These are my kind of people. This is my kind of town. This is my kind of weather. I like it out here. And I'm not leaving. And I care about that more than you care to make fun of it. So provincial, generational, who you are, where you're from. If that doesn't define your life, I mean, I, I don't know where you are or who you are or where you're from. Those are big building blocks in anybody's id, who they are, what they believe, how they act, how they talk, who they root for. Then we're going to get into a little bit more of the mentally gobbledygook, but there's a lot there. 
and I especially think that there's a lot there right now, I'm going to call it transference. Now, there are a lot of people who live sad lives or don't accomplish what they want to have accomplished. Uh, Denied opportunity, just particularly lazy. There's all sorts of reasons why your grab of the brass ring never grabbed that actual brass ring. And so as you go home to have another night where you eat a bag of Doritos, you're kind of feeling, I don't know, not sorry for yourself, but just uninspired and unrewarded and underappreciated. Well, here come the Golden State Warriors or whoever you root for. And, you know, they've been champions and I root for them. And in a weird, goofy, stupid, not real at all, but definitely also totally real, that makes you feel like you're a champion. The transference of a team's success or failure upon us, even though it is a huge illusion that we talk ourselves into being true, there is some truth to it all at the same time. Look at how everybody who roots for the 49ers feels this week as opposed to last week. Last week, everyone was so excited. Everyone heart was like, oh, there's a Super Bowl coming up. Look at what could happen. We could be champions again. I could be a champion again. The team that I root for could be a champion again. The city that I live in could be a championship again. Me over here, everybody in section 104 could be a champion again. It happens. This is where Ray Ratto, if we were working together, would sit back and laugh at everyone. This is, Ray never bought into this, but it's insane because it is real. I don't know how noble it is. I don't know how great of a thing this is, but it is absolutely real. We take a team's accomplishments or their failures and we make it a part of our own. That's some powerful psycho gobbledygook going up there, but it's real. It's absolutely real. As is the fourth thing, and what I really believe is the most powerful reason why we keep on coming back, why we keep on signing up for team after team and season after season. Why do we love sports? This is going to sound a little masochistic, but I believe it's real. We love pain. I'm going to say it again. We love pain, anguish, aching, wanting, yearning. These are primal human emotions. Think about the songs you care about. How many of them are R&B or heartbreaking love songs? Your favorite movie where the couple doesn't make it at the end? I mean, the most romantic movie all time, they say, what, it's Titanic? The guy drowns at the end of the damn movie, and that's what makes it so romantic, because then she can't have the love that she knew. We love pain. We love pain in our relationships, Let's be totally honest. Now, I'm not talking about like abusive relationship pain, but there are a lot of times where as a sports fan, you know you're in an an abusive relationship, a toxic relationship, and you don't even think of leaving it. Why? Do Do you like being abused? Yeah, just a little. Sports abuse here. We're talking sports abuse. 
interesting relationships, complicated relationships, painful relationships, all of these things are always more important, make the better book, the better movie, the better play, the better whatever, than the, and they lived happily ever after. The reason why so many movies end with and they lived happily ever after because that means like all the interesting shit is over now. They lived happily ever after. You don't even have to watch this. You wouldn't even be interested in people living happily ever after. As a matter of fact, put up happily ever after. Give me, give me a big script, the end, and then just roll credits. We don't need to see anything else. <laughs> and it's the truth. We love pain. We love to be hurt. Talk to any coach, to any athlete. There is no win that ever stays with them as long as their most painful defeat. Not one. Not one. Why is that? Are they all sick? Are they all sharing groupthink? Are they all just goofy? Or no, are they like us? And they love pain too. People love pain anguish. Again, maybe this is easier for me to understand because I grew up a Chicago Cubs fan. I literally grew up rooting for a team that I was sure in my life would never deliver me anything to ever make me happy. Yet there I was. And then in 2016, oh my God, it was, it was magic. It was absolutely magical. And since that moment, I haven't been nearly as interested in the Cubs because, in a weird way, we got to live happily ever after. I kept coming back for the pain more than I kept coming back for the joy. And I bet you an awful lot of you, being totally honest, are nodding to yourself right now thinking, yeah, that's kind of how I do it too. The pain that 49ers fans are feeling this week is anguish. Sports pain, waiting 30 years for that next championship, complaining, uh, being upset. All these things are visceral, real human emotions. Everything in the world has now turned into, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Hatfield and McCoys, Duke, North Carolina, Purdue, Indiana. We're all at each other's throats with everything we do, we say, our politics, the way we talk, the way we debate. You know, hey, I really like this cheeseburger. You clown, that's the worst cheeseburger in the world. Let me get really emotional about my favorite cheeseburger. What are we doing? We're competing about how much we love shit. Oh, you think you really like something? You don't like something half as much as I like something. You like something a little. I like something a lot. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's real. It's raw. It's human emotion. And this is why we keep on coming back. This is why sports on the whole is officially too big to fail. Because there is no amount of generational transference provincial pride um, or pain that sports will ever run out of. Never. Never. Again, it might be morbid, but if you want to open up a funeral parlor, you're never going to run out of customers. 
There is never going to be a day where people stop dying. There will never be a day where sports pain isn't sort of what we're selling or trying to avoid or pretending doesn't exist more than any other sports emotion. It stays with us. It stays with us. If the 49ers had won the Super Bowl, you're probably kind of over it by now. You've already high-fived. You had your drinks. You went out. You partied up and down Market Street or Mission Street. You went to the parade. You bought the T-shirt, got the bumper sticker, and it's over. It's over. See you next year, everybody. Not the way this Super Bowl ended. This is going to linger. This is going to bother people for weeks and months and years until it actually happens. You, instead of just buying the T-shirt, the bumper sticker, and going to the parade, are now going to be tuned into mock drafts and free agency and shows like this. And you're going to be coming back for more and more. And I can see, you know, just my views on YouTube have Absolutely, I bet you with every other content creator in the NFL have just cratered in the last couple of days. That's because people need some time away. It hurt too much. It hurt too much. I can't do this anymore. I can't do I can't do it anymore. It hurts. You'll be back. You'll be back. We all come back because we're addicted to the pain. Hmm. I'm also addicted to coffee, and there's your sip of the day right there. That was a good one. This is what we do. We're addicted to pain. And we come here and we gather in our little communities of pain, provincial transference, generational interest, and we keep on talking over and over and over and nothing changes. The, 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 the stories kind of remain the same. Only the players, the coaches, the outcomes, the uniform sometimes change. But it's basically, you know, four or five different conversations repackaged or reprocessed over and over again. That's why things can get pretty repetitive out there in sports. Sometimes sports take care of your pain. Sometimes sports does. It takes care of your pain. It alleviates your pain. But more often than not, it just keeps on hurting you again and again and again and again. Why do you keep on coming back? Because you love it. We love the pain. We love the stuff that drives us nuts. We love the stuff that drives us nuts. It's why Fox News is the number one rated news network. It's not because people watch because they trust it. It's because people watch because it drives them nuts. It's the truth. Not going sports and politics here, but this is the truth. So it is so good to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on by. A happy Valentine's Day. Here she is. Besides Jillian herself, one of the first ladies of the Palouse, Michelle Haberman, happy Valentine's Day to you, darling. Absolutely love you. So many of my friends, I mean, people who are in my audience who have now become my friends. And I truly, truly appreciate you all being here. Uh, it's great. Uh, Nathaniel Richards, I hope you're, you're under hit for the sip of the day, the over. Where was it? We got, uh, oh, there it is, Rockin' New Era 84. He had it, 1109. Oh, just came under? 
I mean, went over. Went over, I guess. I don't know. Damon, the sky is falling. LeBron to the Warriors. We'll get to that in a second. We will get to that in a second. But first, let me tell you about uh, some people that I absolutely love, starting with this little guy right here. My, my, my bald friend who makes delicious sandwiches. Mr. Ike of Ike Sandwiches. He's not interested in sports pain. He's interested in sports delicious. And he's certainly got an awful lot of delicious just waiting for you right at Ike's. So I want you to get that delicious going in your direction. Order from Ike's this afternoon. As a matter of fact, I think for Valentine's Day, it's a free bag of chips, a free bag of Zaps potato chips at Ike's. When you purchase a sandwich today, go online, start earning your way to free sandwiches with membership rewards points, have it delivered, have your office catered by Ike's. Do it. Do it now. You'll be happy that you did. You'll be eating. A, you order Ike's right now. Um, you'll be eating a delicious sandwich in under an hour from now in most of your delivery places. So go ahead. Get yourself a great lunch. Thanks so much to Ike's. Since today is Valentine's Day, we're going to give love all around. We're going to give love to Uncle Boys, who sponsors our Michael Urban Memorial Good for Ball, Bad for Ball segment, which we'll be back into in a couple days from now on Friday. And thanks so much to Dr. Paul Hughes, who's going to make you feel like you love that knee again, that joint again, that hip pain again, because it goes away when Dr. Paul Hughes gives you his platelet-rich plasma treatment. It's something else. Uh, orthopedicsurgeries.com to avoid an orthopedic surgery. So love to the sponsors. Love to all of you. It's a good thing Ray Ratto's not on the show today. Maybe we're not coming on any. Maybe, maybe there's no love there, but he would have hated this. He hates talking about love and happiness, but he would have signed up for the pain. It's real. So let's talk a little bit about the pain of that overtime Super Bowl loss. The latest, what, The Heights podcast, Travis and Jason Kelsey, the Kelsey brothers talking to each other. Um... Quote from Travis Kelsey, you win the coin toss, you get the opportunity to have the advantage, and they handed it right to us. Now, this is some 49ers fans trying to support their coach, saying, you know, even though they lost a Super Bowl, Kyle made that right decision in the overtime because the defense was gassed and he wanted that third possession. Again, basically what you're telling me is, I, I just asked you to recite the alphabet and you're more worried about C than you are A and B. Uh, you're probably not going to recite the alphabet correctly. Kyle was worried about the third step in a process more than he was worried about the first two steps in a process. And very much like when Dan Campbell decided we're going for it on fourth down and everybody at Levi's Stadium was like, good, when the opponent looks at your decision and thinks, that's fantastic. You have not made the right decision. If you are defending Kyle Shanahan's decision to receive the ball in overtime, go watch Travis Kelsey tell you that that's when he knew the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl, that the 49ers had an advantage and they handed it right back to the Kansas City Chiefs because now the Chiefs need to know what to do on that second drive. 
No gray area, no illusion of what needs to happen. The rule book is there right in front of you. You have four downs to go up and down this field now that you know what the 49ers have done. Bill Vinovich, when Fred Warner says, we'll receive, he says, are you sure? <laughs> when the head when the head referee of the Super Bowl and was like, are you sure you want to do that, Fred? Pain. Sports pain. You see the pain that is being shared by what? Spencer Burford and John Feliciano. Uh, they... Uh, it, it, Burford looking to or Feliciano trying to get Colton McKivitz off the hook, uh, trying to stick up for one of his teammates through another teammate under the bus. And Burford wakes up. He sees what, 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 what are, uh, you know, what Feliciano said on Twitter. And he's like, this is, I open the app and I get treated to this. Then it's, oh, I'm sorry, bro. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus. I was trying to defend another teammate. And by defending another teammate, I threw another teammate under the bus. And you got a whole bunch of, come on. You got Brandon Ayuk. You got his girlfriend. You got his brother starting to, you know, tell everyone, oh, we're out of here. Which isn't like the opening gambit to modern negotiations, especially if you're a wide receiver. If you're a wide receiver, the first your first point of negotiation is hitting a gram. What Debo do? Scrap all the Niners gear. Show them we mean business. Brandon Ayuk's brother. We out of here. I mean, come on. Everyone knows what's going on now. Got a whole bunch of players dealing with pain. Like we are. Like you are. Like my wife is. T from the 203 says, uh, Damon, I wish this was a sports phone episode so we could hear it from everyone. <laughs> On Friday, you'll be able to call in, share your pain. Sports pain Friday. Patrick O'Burn. Hello, Damon Bruce. How are you, lad? I'm just so happy that we have a full-on living leprechaun in the chat today. Thank you so much. How much do you like pain? Here you go. Gugu Gaga says I'm streaming the parade. There you go. What could be more painful than watching the parade that you don't get happen in the town that you don't live in with the team that just beat your favorite team celebrating everything and you get nothing? That's pain. That's dealing with pain. That's some good old sports masochism right there. Oh, it's real. The pain is real. Now, let's talk a little bit about this warrior LeBron story that came out this morning. It's one of those, hey, that one might have been interesting, but it didn't happen. But it's interesting enough. ESPN.com reports that over a clandestine 24-hour window prior to the trade deadline on Thursday... Owner-to-owner -owner conversations. We're talking Joe Lacob, Jeannie Buss on the phone together. We're talking about a possible trade 
of LeBron James to the Golden State Warriors to team up with Steph Curry. What the package was being offered to L.A., we do not know. You can speculate all sorts of what it might be, pull out the old trade machine, see what salaries fit, but man, might have been a little interesting. But the truth is, without this trade, the Warriors are all of a sudden are a little bit interesting. They've won five in a row. They're going for six tonight. The Clippers are in town without Kawhi Leonard. It's no pushover game still, but this is a good opportunity for the Warriors to keep a winning streak going, get back to Utah, win that game on Thursday, head into the All-Star break. Everybody relax. Jonathan Kaminga still be, you know, just keep on coming out of the All-Star break, a freight train in transition. Changes the Warriors an awful lot. Draymond has given the Warriors what they need here since coming back from his I need to learn how to control my emotions suspension. So this is, this is kind of interesting. Woj says that the Warriors and the 76ers each called the Lakers to make a trade offer for LeBron James. And as interesting as that is, it just sets up what might be an even more interesting offseason because obviously the trade deadline's come and gone, so that ship has sailed. It's not happened. Um, LeBron's got a player option after this season and can become an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2024. Is he seriously going to just wait to see who might draft his son who isn't even playing like a, a first-rounder and obviously had that scary heart issue, which would probably give teams pause. But if you think that you get the inside track to sign LeBron James by drafting his kid, is LeBron still worth that? Look at it this way. Is he, is he still one of the best players in this league? You bet your ass he is. At the age of 39, he has taken... 29-year-olds to school every night. Like LeBron is still the man with a capital M. Um, Interesting stuff, right? Pretty interesting. LeBron in a Warriors uniform. I want to see it happen only so I can, we can all watch our friend Nick Wright's head explode. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, here's another little incredibly interesting NBA nugget that I actually, I saw this during Super Bowl week in Las Vegas and I sent myself this email. Um, I don't know if you do that too. I send myself an awful lot of emails and sometimes I forget them. Sometimes I get to them. Um, Bobby Marks says that 11 NBA teams, 11 NBA teams control 75% of the first round picks over the next seven years. So what an interesting jockeying of power and everything. I honestly thought one of the teams, like, so Lakers, you are going to trade LeBron. What do you want to trade LeBron for? Well, at that point, you're trading for your future. I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder could have handed the Lakers multiple first-round picks for LeBron. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. But they can't look, they can't even roster all those picks. So they're going to have to trade a lot of them, anyways. Maybe that would have done it. I don't know. It's, but uh, here's the thing I am officially ready to, 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 to hit NBA mode once again. It, I, I'm ready. 
I'm ready for the NBA mode. So we're going to we're going to slip on in, get an NBA game tonight, get an NBA game tomorrow night, Warriors, uh, Clippers, Warriors, Jazz. Then it's the All-Star break. Then we're going to go dive in to a very interesting 29 games that will decide what this end of the year looks like for the Golden State Warriors. I'm ready. Whether it be a whole bunch of fun or the pain. Because we keep coming back for pain. Oh, by the way, it was uh, it's a Baron Red's birthday. He's been to both Plus Manias. I told you that I will be announcing Plus Mania three, Plus Mania three, the Revenge. Uh, at the end of this week, we'll officially let you know what the date is going to be. There's still a few moving parts that we have to nail down before we officially pick the date. But it's going to be coming. It's going to be coming in early March. I think it's going to happen on a Sunday. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Happy birthday, Baron Red. Leslie, it's crazy, Damon. I know it's the Niners one that we would be so ecstatic right now. We'd be on cloud nine. Oh, people would be dancing in the streets. There would be a parade going up Market Street tomorrow. Pain. Pain. Kathy, Kathy Trans, so much pain. I'm a Sharks fan and an A's fan. So much pain. There is. There's an awful lot of pain out there, and we keep on coming back. Michelle, it's the most primal base human emotion available. 49er Ultimate Report, I'm a diehard sports fan, but realistic. I'm always cautious. I always let myself know until my team wins a title. I enjoy each moment. That's good. That's level-headed. Fewer and fewer people level-headed in the world out there. Oh, there's some angry, angry fans. You can see it. You can see it. You can read it. And people just go crazy. Like, let me tell you, even though the 49ers just lost the Super Bowl in overtime, Kyle Shanahan 100% made the right decision. No, he didn't. He literally made the wrong decision that played a key role in losing the Super Bowl. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're both standing at the urinal. We're both taking a leak. And you're telling me you don't have your dick in your hand? Your dick's in your hand. There it is. What are you talking about? You're standing right next to me. I'm not going to look because I'm a gentleman, but your dick's in your hand right now. Don't tell me Kyle didn't have his dick in his hand. <laughs> See, there you go. There's no analysis like that anywhere. There's, why did the Niners lose in overtime? It was because Kyle got caught with his dick in his hand. Irwin saying, Damon's edging into S&M territory. Jude, heartache is intoxicating. Absolutely. Leslie, the unrequited love stories are always the best love stories. Like Casablanca. Imagine at the end of Casablanca, he gets the girl. Is, is it a classic? Is it the most, is it romanced about to this day? No way. 
Wes Jameson, there's no greater motivation than pain. It's the truth. It's the truth. Erwin again. Longtime Warriors fan to understand what pain is. Oh, yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. JJ Raider, sponsor of the Ganja Jar. So your friendly host gets to go through life with little pain. <laughs> I'm a Raiders fan. All I know is pain. It's rough. Look, as a Cub fan, my entire life, I wore the, the, the generational pain that I had nothing to do with. I talked about ancestral pain, even though none of my ancestors were Cubs fans. That was me, myself, and I choosing that for myself early in my life because I would come home from school. We had WGN, and the Cubs were always on. I really like Mark Grace, Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, Greg Maddox, Hector Villanueva. Shout out, Hector. And next thing you know, I'm really involved in this team, and it creates an awesome amount of pain in my life. The 89 National League Championship Series and Will Clark and Mark Grace each hitting 400. and Oh, God, the pain. I'll be completely honest with you. At the Chicago Cubs in 1989 won the National League Championship Series, went to the World Series and won it. I wonder if I'm even a sports talk show host. Like, that's how devastating that pain was for me. 1989, 14-year-old Damon just bawling his eyes out. Huh. And leave it to me to then decide to cover the San Francisco Giants for a living. And that's something else. It's just amazing how it all fits together when it's all said and done. Lots of people in the chat. They identify with this pain. We'll get into club plus here in just a second, but real quick. We have something important to tell you. Because a great American has passed on. Oh, by the way, Baron Red. Going to Hobson's for a dark and stormy. That's a good choice. Get yourself to Hate Street. Get yourself to Hobson's Choice. I like that. One of my favorite bars in the city. Nothing smells like the rotting wood underneath that horrific carpet at Hobson's Choice. Um, happy, happy Valentine's Day and happy birthday to you. Rock Eastwood, you have to lose to enjoy the win. Bandwagon fans don't get it. Again, bandwagon fans are only there for the good times. They're not the pain. That's why we don't respect them. It's, it's seriously. It's it. Now, again, fandom is not a pie. A bigger slice for you doesn't mean a smaller slice for me. Fandom's always internalized. But we don't like people just showing up for the good times. Were you around for the pain? You get it, Rock. From M Live, which is like the SF gate of Michigan, okay? A Grand Rapids man credited with inventing the breakfast staple, the Pop Tart. 
died last week at the age of 96. William Bill Post died on February 10th, and according to his obituary, Post was a Keebler plant manager in Grand Rapids in the early 60s when he was approached by executives at, a, at cereal giant Kellogg's to create a breakfast food for the toaster. Post and a team of co-workers then developed the early version of something that he called a fruit scone. But then it soon became known as the Pop-Tart. They became an instant hit when Tess marketed in Cleveland in the late 19, uh, in, in, in uh, 1963, and Pop-Tarts have been with us ever since. Now their, their founder no longer is. The man who invented them has passed away. Pop-Tart's an important breakfast treat in a lot of people's lives. Pop-Tart um, is usually like the, the first four way, and for you know, like, like look at it this way. If you're born in France, you're raised with incredible, truly, remarkably baked just breakfast pastries and muffin baskets and the delicate croissant. And all these wonderful things. And if you're American, you get a fucking Pop-Tart when you're like six. <laughs> now, I never really liked Pop-Tarts except for the brown sugar and cinnamon ones. Because I don't like hot fruit. To this day, I don't like hot fruit. I like a cold fruit parfait. Hot fruit? Ness? No, here's the thing. I like apple pie. I like cherry pie. But just a little. I don't like a lot of hot fruit. But that brown sugar and cinnamon Pop-Tart was a big deal. That was good. That played a big role in our lives. So rest in peace, Mr. Post. Thank you very much for your Pop-Tarts. And thanks to the sports world for the sports pain that it is providing us right now. It's going to keep us going, and we're going to keep going. Videos dropping, shows happening we don't slow down. This train does not stop. It's officially left the station, and I'm so glad you're aboard. Uh, if you are just driving around today, if you are listening to this on the podcast, this is where we say goodbye. We're going to slip into Club Plus, though, on YouTube. Thank you very, very much for tuning in, and please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.